Football is back. We are back. I am back to host the Big C Show. My name is Big C's. Also, Caesar Lucero. And we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, big game this past weekend between Florida Gators and the Miami Hurricanes, a kickoff of college football, and the surprising retirement of Sir Andrew Luck. And let's also not forget, the NFL season is right around the corner. Mr. Will Manso from Local 10 News, WPLG South Florida reporter, who reports for the Miami Dolphins, Miami Heat, the Florida Panthers, and the beloved Miami Hurricanes, joins me today on a phone interview to discuss this past weekend's game and how close Miami came to winning the game with so many opportunities. And we'll get his reaction on the fellow retirement of Mr. Andrew Luck and what he thought of the fans booing him after they find out that he's going to hang them up. And we're going to also get into a little bit of Miami Dolphins talk. Should Josh Rosen start the season as their number one quarterback? Or do they keep Ryan Fitzpatrick as their starter? Without further ado, here is my interview with Mr. Will Manto. Hey, Will. Thank you for joining us on the Big C Show. Tough loss yesterday to the Gators. What a game, though. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was exciting. It was thrilling. It, it wasn't the most beautiful game, to, you know, as far as the aesthetics of it. The, it was a lot of sacks, a lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers. Right. You know, just a lot of, a lot of miscues. But when it came to excitement level and, and, and the, you know, thrilling finish and a chance to have a crazy finish and the team to come back and back and forth, it certainly was, for an opening game, exciting. What did you think of the last minute and a half? Uh, Miami had several opportunities to win the game. It just seems that the offensive line just seems to let down Jaron Williams. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the bottom line is this. You know, you, you talk about the last minute and a half, and that's true. The last minute and a half was ugly. They were going backwards when they needed to go forward to try to win the game. But I really think it was not even the minute and a half. It was the entire game. You know, Williams was under pressure all game long. And early on, the Kings kind of came in with a nice game plan of quick passes to quick screens, quick hits that were working. But once the Gators defense figured out, they just brought up their corners and said, hey, look, we're going to get to him so quickly with our pass rush that we can stop those quick passes. At that point, it became a situation where if you notice in the second half, Williams had very little success. Right. He just had no time. And in those five, in that final 90 seconds, which was crazy with penalties and wild plays, he just couldn't get time to find an open receiver. The one time he did, he threw a pretty nice pass to Brevin Jordan on a third down in that final 30 seconds that fell incomplete. There was a penalty. They picked up the flag. But, you know, that was the only play that I remember even had a shot to make a play. That is true. What did you think of his overall play, uh, Williams, that is? I mean, I think when you look at it, he's got a strong arm. Everybody in camp with the Canes, when he, you know, when they when they gave him the job, said, wait until you see this kid throw. And you can see it's got very pretty touch, uh, very strong arm. But more than anything, he just stands in the pocket and throws it well when he gets that time. Now, early on, he didn't show that off because it was quick passes. But I thought his decision-making was good. In those early plays, I thought, you know, he didn't have time to take chances. 
I think the one thing I hear a lot of people kind of knocking him is, hey, he's not the one to ball down the field. He's not taking chances. That's hard to do when you don't have time. But I think the one thing he clearly needs to improve on is throwing the ball away. You know, I think he got flustered a few times where he held on to the ball too long. Probably should have either thrown it away or tried to make a play. But I think it's a product of when you are running for your life all game, it gets in your head that, you know, there are guys coming after you left and right. It's, it's hard to make a decision to throw it away on every play because he literally could have thrown it away pretty much every play. He was getting chased, running around, trying to find somebody open. I kind of thought he played better than a lot of people gave him credit. Um, but let's kind of go to the defense. Because if, if Miami has a chance to do anything this year, I think it's that defense. Uh, that defense dominated that game. And I think they're, they're the ones that are going to make this team or break this team. Yeah, and you know, you know what I think it is, two seasons. I think they are, this defense is a formula under Manny Diaz. You know, they're an aggressive defense. They come after you. Sometimes that aggression turns into a little over-aggression, and that leads to bad tackling. You know, and I think that's something that certainly needs to be cleaned up, and Diaz referenced it after the game. You know, they need to shore up on tackling and make sure to stop going for the big play in the strip on every single play. Know your angles, get your guys gang tackle. But on the flip side, look, they created turnovers, they're ball hawks. When they, when they play that aggressive style, it leads to turnovers and the turnover chain and all that craziness. That, that was the formula for success in this team a couple of years ago when they won 10 games. The defense, this defense is so aggressive that they have to create turnovers. That's their strength. When they don't, they get a little sloppy at times. They get, you know, they, they, like I said, they leave guys open, run in the middle of the field, or they just take bad angles. So they, I think Manny's biggest challenge now before the North Carolina game and for the rest of the season is try to find that balance. Guys, you got to wrap up, you got to tackle, but at the same time, stay aggressive because you're right. They make plays, they're aggressive, and when they make those plays, it leads to turnovers, and those turnovers lead to momentum, lead to points, and lead to wins. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought both teams tackled pretty poorly uh, early on, but then as the game went on, uh, I thought maybe they, they kind of did a little bit better job, um, maybe because it was the first game, and uh, oh, yeah. this was the first time they actually seen live action in, in a couple of months. Um, yeah. What do you see this Miami team uh, doing the rest of the season? Well, I mean, it, it's hard to say because the reality is this. Look, you feel good after the game in a sense that you saw that Jaron Williams, again, I mentioned some of the things he needs to polish up, but you saw a guy that, that had poise, as you said, and that's a word that was that came out of Cole Gables a lot describing him. Very poised young man, very confident, can move too, you know, while he had to move because he's running for his life, part of it, too, showed off that he's got the ability to move around. He's not just a pocket passer who's a standing, you know, sitting duck and standing target up back there. I mean, he, he moves around. But I think for the Kings to have success, though, in these kind of big games, which you hope that they play a few this year, they've got to block better, and they've got to find a way. And they're probably – the good news is they probably won't play a better defense in Florida this year in the regular season. But – there are still going to be teams looking at that film and saying, man, we just got to pressure this team, bring the corners up and pressure, get on those linemen, get past those tackles, and we can have success against this offense. And so they're going to have to show up that offensive line. Defensively, I think just show up tackling. You know, I think that's, that's a key. And obviously, too, look, pre-snap penalties, hang on to the football, the special teams, excuse the, you know, the muff by Jeff Thomas, the, the miss by Baxter in a big spot. Those are things that you just have to keep working on. But you, you clean those things up, especially after an opener. But I think if you're a Miami fan, you have to say to yourself, you know, all things considered, I think they saw enough good 
given their schedule and how weak the ACC Coastal is, right. the Kings can win some games this year. Yeah, I think they absolutely can win some games and have a shot to win that division. Yeah, I think Miami has a chance to be second in the ACC along with Clemson. What did you think of the overall performance of uh, Brevin Jordan? I thought he played an outstanding game. Well, listen, Brevin is a guy that doesn't lack in confidence and is a phenomenal talent, but you know, you hear so much about him. I had a chance to talk to him over media day a couple of weeks ago, and he's such, such a, a, a guy that has so much confidence in his ability, but also the ability of his teammates. And you can see that personality and that confidence. It goes on to other players. You know, you, you see, I saw him in the pregame hyping guys up. Then once the game started making plays, his energy isn't just all talk and jumping up and down and, and energy. It is productive energy. He gets teammates involved. He's a big target for Jaron Williams and Jaron, you know, and, and, and him are best friends. Brevin mentioned that again on media day that they're, they're best friends. They talk all the time. They talk about the playbook. They talk about things. I mean, they talk about life. I mean, these guys are very close and you can see that there's that connection. So he's a kid that I think is going to be a first round pick in the NFL. I think he's got that kind of talent. Yeah. And he's such a physical specimen. Yeah, yeah, they need everything. They need to do everything they can to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Exactly, I, I totally agree. What What other receiver do you see uh, being a compliment to him? Well, look, Keji Osborne, I think showed you a little bit. You know, the couple times he got the ball in his hands, you see what Jeff Thomas can do. And Jeff was a little bit off last night. You know, he he dropped the pass at the end of the night. I thought he could have caught it. it was a tough play, but it, down the you know in those final moments before that missed field goal in the fourth quarter that would have been a huge play, obviously for yeah. Miami didn't happen. Uh, they tried to get him on a, a little end around, you know, run the ball that worked out a little flip out pass. Those little things. I think Jeff will make big plays, but I also think, again, he's a downfield threat and to get downfield, you have to give the quarterback time and he just didn't have it last night. The other guy that I look at that unfortunately didn't play a good game, but is a guy that I expect to have a really nice season is the other tight end, Will Mallory. Oh, okay. now, Will's a guy who's got the same in, in makeup of Brevin in the sense that he's not, you know, he's not a slow guy. He's not a, a tough, grinded out tight end. He is a playmaking tight end. He dropped the pass yesterday. He didn't have a good route another time. I mean, look, he had a rough game, but I think that they're going to find creative ways to get him the ball. And I think that one, two punch with Jordan, can be a really tough ask for most defenses when you've got two tight ends that can catch the ball and run like that. That's great news. And considering Miami's always uh, bringing out great tight ends from, from their yeah. end, how do you see Miami bouncing back against North Carolina? Is this a big game for them? Because if they lose, they'll be 0-2 to start off the season. Look, they play at North Carolina. It's a conference game right away, you know. And then after that, they're at home for five straight games, I believe. So this is a huge That's game big. for them yeah. to. Yeah, you, if they can win this game, and look, North Carolina's supposed to be a solid ACC team, middle of the pack. I mean, not you know, they're not exactly a powerhouse team. This is not Florida's defense. This is not that kind of task. But it is an ACC road game, and while last night, in a sense, was a road game, you're not at your home field. There were a lot of Florida fans there. The atmosphere in North Carolina will be different because it's their, you know, they're taking on Miami, which of course for them is a big deal. Hey, the Canes are coming to town. Right. They're going to have probably you know, a good amount of fans there, obviously cheering for them and and, and the Canes and, and Jared and the offensive line have to deal with it. So, do I think the Canes are going to bounce back and win? Yeah, I think they're a better team than North Carolina, but that's a big game because if you fall, you know, you're all in two all of a sudden. 
You know, one right. thing Manny Diaz talked about early in the season is adversity. He said last year they didn't deal handle adversity well from game to game, from play to play. I thought last night they showed that they could handle adversity, but if they don't come out and win that game in a couple of weeks, all of a sudden the season has the potential to go how it went last year, which was south. You win that game, you got five games that are at home, Jaron's getting a little confidence, hopefully the O-line is playing better, and you like your chances to start winning some games. So that's a big game for them, and you would hope they learn from their mistakes on Saturday and they bounce back. Awesome. I'm really excited about this season, and I, and I can't wait to see what Williams does as he grows into the position. I think the sky's the limit for this kid, and I think this is the best quarterback they had in a long time, and he's yeah. going to continue to grow. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great experience for him. I do. Moving on to the NFL, Andrew Luck announces his retirement with the Indianapolis Colts. With just two weeks left until the season starts, what was your reaction as you found out that he's going to retire from football? Well, I was like everyone else, kind of shocked. Obviously, you know, you saw it on, I saw it on social media. I saw the Adam Schefter tweet as I was watching the Kings game, like you mentioned. I think we all were kind of in that, wow, you know, because I don't think – I don't think that I, I certainly hadn't read it or had seen it implied that he may retire. Now I had seen that he, you know, there was questions on whether he'd start the season playing, what, how healthy he was, you know, 29 years old. And a guy that last year threw 48 touchdown passes. I don't think anyone thought that this was going to be something that had ended his career. But at the same time, I also know that Andrew Luck is a very, very intelligent guy. He understands, you know, he understands the hard work to put in and, you know, and all those things that have happened to him with injuries and he's tough. He's taken hits. He's had, you know, uh, punctured lung, broken ribs, you name it, a concussion, all those different things. And at some point, very early, that's what's taking a toll, you know. And then, that, and he again, he's a guy that I think had obviously was conflicted in dealing with this over time. And this isn't a decision you make overnight. And right. While they're shocked because it's rare that a 29 year old in the prime of his career with a big contract uh, decides to step away. I think all you could do is be happy for him that he's got the ability to say, Hey, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I can't let this mental and physical toll to my body and the rehabbing. And I just don't have the desire to do it. I think you have to respect the person to be able to do that. Cause a lot of guys are the opposite. A lot of guys keep grinding when they don't want to, or they can't because they they're chasing the dream and the money. And this is, you know, how often is that that window to play football is very small. And they end up having to pay for it later in life, not being able to walk, having, you know, issues with the, you see all the issues with CTE and brain damage and all yeah, these things. Exactly. If you can, if you have the power to step away and you can do that and make a decision that you feel comfortable with your family, all power to you, man. And all you can do is wish them the best. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, I think with the NFL being such a tough sport and a lot of these athletes are a lot faster, stronger. And it's taken a toll on Andrew Luck. He's been injured mm -hmm. constantly and from time and time again. But it was sad seeing the Indianapolis Colts nation booing him after the game. I mean, I think like anyone, you, you sit there and you roll your eyes and think, what are they doing? You know, and I, and I know that it, it, unfortunately he was put in a bad spot because the story broke while he was at a game. The Colts were playing. He was on the sideline. And, you know, people, again, people are always on their phone, on social media, looking up things. So yeah. you've got to imagine that it spread like wildfire all over the stadium. Like, wow, Andrew Luck is retiring. What did you see this? What is this? Oh, my God, he's on the field. How do we find out about this now? There's only two weeks of the season. And I think people get angry and silly. And look, the one thing. I love about sports is that fans are passionate. The one yes. thing I hate about sports is that fans are passionate. You know, it's a good <laughs> sometimes and bad, a little bit you know, too they, passionate. <laughs> yeah, because that passion sometimes turns into, I mean, quite frankly, stupidity. You know, and yeah. you forget that these people are human beings, 
And then you forget what Andrew Luck has done for that franchise and for that community. He was always a stand-up guy, always great with charities, obviously a great football player, a high-character guy. He's the kind of guy that any franchise would love to have as the centerpiece of your franchise, a centerpiece of your community. And, and you know, to boom like that was silly. I, I would think that those people probably looking back going, that was dumb. You know, most people probably think that was stupid. But you know, you, I don't think that that amount of people that booed him speaks for the majority of Colts fans or NFL fans who knew what Andrew Luck meant to them and meant to the league. Yeah, you kind of hope that they kind of redeem themselves on this. And uh, best of luck to uh, Andrew Luck. He definitely deserves it, and uh, I think he'll he'll do he'll move on and move on to better and bigger things. Moving on to the Miami Dolphins, what do you think of the quarterback situation that they have there? Would you start Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen? Well, I mean, to me, when they made the move to, to trade for Rosen, to me, this season should have been and should still be, obviously hasn't even started yet, the, the regular season, should be about figuring out what Josh Rosen is. And, you know, part of that is getting him used to the system. And, look, you can't just throw, throw him in there without knowing the playbook and knowing the system. But he's had a few months now. And while he started slowly in, in practice and then in the training camp, he has looked more comfortable in recent preseason games. And to me, if you're in a rebuild, which the Dolphins are, and re- rebuilding means you're likely going to lose some games right. and you're making moves. Look, even as we speak just an hour ago, they, they, they cut uh, veteran safety, TJ McDonald. This team is cutting salary and veterans left and right. Like they try to rebuild to me, you go with the younger guy and give him a shot. You know, you know what you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Exactly. He is what he is, you know, mid, mid to late thirties guy who makes a lot of mistakes and sometimes makes good plays, but he's not your future that much. You can guarantee. Now is Josh Rosen your future? I, I would say it's probably unlikely, but I would like to see what he can do over the course of the season with you. See if he gets better. He learns the system, how he takes some of the struggles. Now, on the flip side, season, I will say this. There is a slight benefit to starting Fitzpatrick early, and that's yep. because the Dolphins' schedule is brutal to start. I got totally agree with that one. Cowboys, Chargers. You have some very difficult games to start the season. It wouldn't be the worst to let Rosen kind of continue to learn and not take a pounding behind that offensive line. And then if you start off slow, which you probably will, then give him a shot a few weeks into the season. But uh, it's hard to handicap now because Brian, Brian Flores has said that he, you know, he's fine with either guy and he's going to make the decision at some point. Okay. So you could possibly see him maybe come in there after their bye week, which is after the Cowboy game, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, honestly, to me, it's one of those things where it wouldn't shock me if, if, if he just sits back and says, you know what, let's just start Rosen from day one. Let's just throw him in there, throw the wolf, so to speak. But again, given this whole line the way it is, it also wouldn't shock me if they just say, look, Ryan is more prone to deal with this. He's, you know, we were talking earlier about Jaron Williams. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been running for his life his entire career. You know, you, you, she, he hasn't played on very good teams throughout the years, and normally he's running around making plays. Josh Rosen is kind of more of a, of a pocket passer who, who could probably end up getting taken some big hits, holds up the ball a little longer. That's a recipe for disaster against the kind of defenses and teams they'll face early in the season. So I could see them trying to see how early in the year, just keep Fitzpatrick in there, see how he does. And then if there are struggles and when the time comes, put it Rosen and see what he can do. Awesome. And who has surprised you this training camp as far as uh, the receivers? I, I, this young kid, undrafted free agent, he's kind of turning some heads out there. Yeah, you know, Preston Williams was the talk of camp throughout, you know, and, and, in, and in many camps, too, people like what he could do, but it's hard to tell without the pads and against, you know, competition. 
but he, he's a good route runner. He seems to have good hands. He was very productive in college at Colorado State, had some off-the-field issues because of that. Uh, dropped off a lot of teams' draft boards, ends up not getting drafted. Dolphins have to solve a guy that maybe can be assigned. Now, I will say this. You know, last game he struggled a little bit. He had a couple drops. There are going to be growing pains when you're a rookie receiver. And the kid is he's not perfect. He's going to make mistakes. So I think if anybody thinks like, wow, we got ourselves a number one, this is going to be awesome, you know, kind yeah. of slow down those expectations and that excitement. Mm-hmm. I do think they have a find. I do think he's a guy that will get better in time. But, you know, I would slow down on from people that are thinking like, hey, he's going to have a big year. He's going to lead our team. He's going to get 70 catches and score touchdowns. I mean, it's going to, he's a rookie. It's going to take yeah. time to adjust. And, and again, he's a rookie. I will, will likely be a very bad team in bad offense. Exactly. And I think as Dolphins fans, they want to get excited this year. They want to see somebody grow. But um, continuing to this season, what do you think of the projections? I know the Dolphins are projected to only win about three games. Uh, do you see them winning more than three games? I think three games is a little bit uh, harsh. I think they'll win more than three games. What do you think, Will? No, I mean, I think they win more than three games. I think they, I have them at like five and 11, six and 10 range. Uh, in the NFL, it's hard. there are going to be a lot of bad teams in the league. And there are going to be a lot of teams that are, you know, going to deal with injuries. And there are going to be a lot of teams that near the end of the season are, you know, they're not playing as hard or, you know, the old talk about tanking and this and that. I mean, look, they are going to play hard for Brian Flores. Brian Flores, again, we mentioned cutting T.J. McDonald. There probably are other veteran cuts on the way. He's a very, very tough minded coach he's going to try to get the best out of these guys and whoever is, is stuck with and stays around this team he's going to push to get the best so i think they'll play hard i think they have a lot of holes i think they have a lot of question marks clearly again they have a very tough schedule to start the season they're going to lose a lot of games but are they going to be two and 14 three and 13 bad man you got to be really bad to be that bad and, and i just think that they'll do enough to, to, to win some games. And like I said, five and 11 was probably the mark that I would sit on um, four and 12 at worst, but three and 13, man, they would really have to go in the tank to go three and 13. Yeah. I actually have them going six and 10 this year. I don't think three games six will th- be that yeah, bad. That, 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 that would probably be my, the best safest projected. I would say is that I'll probably end up going with five and 11, but we'll, you know, in the end, we'll see, look, anything's better than seven and nine and eight, eight, which they've been the last decade. Plus, if you're going to be bad, be real bad. So you can get a high draft pick and get <laughs> find that quarterback in the future. Yeah. Um, everybody's eye on that quarterback uh, from Alabama. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, so we'll let's yeah, let's see what happens this year. Anyways, thanks a lot, Will. We really appreciate you having you on the show and, uh, and looking forward to having you on again. Yeah. Keep up the good work. It was a good chat. Thanks. Ethan. All right. Thanks. Again, the season is just starting, and Miami fans, Hurricane fans, you got to be excited for this season. And I know it's been several years since we've been competitive to what we used to be, but I think Manny Diaz has done a great job so far, at least for the first game. He got his team to play hard, to believe again. And you kind of see that swagger that he brings to the team. Manny Diaz has always been a great defensive coach. And and I think Miami needs to start winning again. They need to start placing in the top ten again. We miss that. 
and I think if Miami can finish second this year in the ACC, second along to Clemson, that'll be a big win for them. And as far as the Dolphins, everybody wants to see them win, but they also want to get the number one pick. Saying all that, it'll be interesting what Tua does this year at the University of Alabama. Uh, barring any injuries, I think we all know he might be the top five overall pick in the next year's draft. So why not keep Rosen as a starter? Why not start him? Uh, watching him the last two preseason games, I honestly thought he played a lot better than Fitzpatrick. And I understand it's only preseason. He's only out there with the backups and his backup offensive line. But to me, he's shown great presence in the pocket. Josh Rosen isn't really known to be a mobile quarterback. And he's not really known to to scramble outside the pocket and, and make things happen. But he's actually done that this preseason. Actually, uh, more so than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like Will Manso said, too, we already know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. But do we know what Josh Rosen is? One season isn't going to tell you everything. To me, I think this Dolphins team is a lot better than that Arizona team was last year. So I say, go ahead. Give the kid a chance. And for all the fans and analysts who think Andrew Luck is making a mistake, come on, give me a break. Andrew Luck does not owe us anything. And I know you're passionate. I'm passionate too. I'm such a passionate fan. I love sports. And, and I get frustrated too when they don't win. I get frustrated when the players get hurt. I get frustrated when, when players don't try hard. But in the end, they're players. They're human beings. They feel. They, too, have lives to live. And I understand. They got millions of dollars. They get paid more than we do. But let's look at all these players that retire, that go into the Hall of Fame. As they age, they never seem to be the same again. They get broken down. They seem to not walk as well when they get older. A lot of them are, end up in wheelchairs at a younger age. And with all this head drama, that's real. I mean... I can't imagine being 50, 60 years old and not being able to think for yourself. Yeah, I know. Players know what they get themselves into. Players know what they're playing for. They're choosing this career. I get that. I get the fans paying hundreds and thousands of dollars for season tickets, memorabilia. But come on. Booing your quarterback who's risked his body, his whole career, 
And to me, if 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 you, if you Colt fans should be booing at anybody, boo at your 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 former general manager for not putting a good offensive line out there, for not helping Andrew Luck for so many years. What took so long? If anybody should be booed, it should be him. He's the one that the Colt fans should be mad at. He's the one that every single reporter who's criticizing Andrew Luck should be criticizing. That is all from the Big C Show. I am Cesar Lucero signing off.